0: Hello and welcome to Crossroads Church Podcast. My name is Jessica and I am your host today. We are CrossroadsColorado.com, located about an hour north of Denver. If you are new here, I encourage you to go to the website and check us out. And I will also put some links in the show notes with the things that I will mention today. So it is Palm Sunday here in sunny northern Colorado. It's actually very Very windy northern Colorado today, but it's Palm Sunday. We kicked off this holy week with Palm Sunday and with baptisms in the service today. It was wonderful. And if you are listening to this in real time this week, we invite you to join us for Good Friday service this coming Friday at 6.30 p.m., and then for Easter services next Sunday at 9 and 10:30 am. Otherwise, come back to the podcast for those messages to stay in touch or catch those services live streaming or on demand. Well, here's Ryan.
1: Morning. Good to see you all again. Dry. The front row was worried. They thought if he comes out here all wet, I want to get splashed. So it's great to see everybody. Hey, uh, if you're a guest this morning again, let me welcome you. Maybe you came in a little bit late. My name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at Crossroads Church. It is so good to be together. We're in our series, Living in Christ. And our anchor verse for this series, which is really exploring what does it really mean to kind of have a life that's hidden in this reality of the living Christ, right? What does it mean to have a life hidden in love? That's really what we're talking about. Our anchor verse is found in Romans chapter 6, verse 11. It's kind of like the foundation for it all, where Paul said to the Romans, Paul, the apostle Paul who wrote this letter, he said, consequently, you too must think of yourselves. You got to think of yourselves as being dead to sin. Everybody say, dun, dun, dun. Anytime you... Anytime you hear the word sin in church, it's like, oh, no. Oh, it's just going to make me feel bad. No, but remember, I like to use the word woundedness, your wounding ways, because all of us can relate to the reality that we have been hurt by people in this world, and we have hurt people in this world. If you've ever hurt somebody, let me hear an amen. amen. Come on. That's right. See, we have no problems with that language. We're like, oh, I get it, right? Right. And that's the idea we have to think of ourselves as dead to that way of life, right? The, the, the motivations that cause us to wound one another, the motivations that allow the wounds of our own lives to just sink inside of us, right? And we are now living for God in Christ Jesus. And we have this other beautiful passage in scripture that says, God is love. And so we live for love, the love that is revealed in the historical Jesus, right, who died uh, so that we might understand the reality of God, that God is not violent, that God is not one who demands sacrifice, but that God is one who loves. That's what God is. Let me ask you a question. Raise your hand up nice and high in the room, all right, especially this section over here, because sometimes I wonder if, this, if I look over here enough, so I'm going to try and look over here at this section. How many of you have ever felt judged before? Raise your hand up nice and high. How many of you feel it right now as I stand here? <laughs> I know I feel it. I know y'all writing stuff down, twittering things, you know, all that good stuff, right? Sometimes judgment comes to us in subtle ways, right? A glance, a look, right? Sometimes there are these kind of like microaggressions, like somebody just just kind of walks the other direction, whatever. I and mean, sometimes they're really blatant, right? Sometimes people they send you that email. <laughs> Right? They give you the phone call and they're just really blunt and really aggressive. Judgment is kind of a part of life. We 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 pass it. now there is a healthy kind of judgment, right? We judge whether or not which 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 road we should take given traffic, right? We make judgments, but this is really about the idea of like someone looking down on us or us looking down on ourselves. Don't raise your hand at this, but just think for a second. Have you ever caught yourself judging yourself? I'm just not good enough. I'm just not the, the spouse I want to be. I'm not the parent I should be. I'm not the aunt I should be. I'm not the uncle I should be. I'm not the, the boss I should be. And we kind of have this voice in our head oftentimes that we trust, unfortunately, because it sounds like our voice, and it tells us all these things. Why would, why would anybody ever, why should I ever go and be a part of a church? I'm not good enough. Like, look at those people. They're all better than me. And we, we kind of judge ourselves. It's not that judgment is just something we pass on to others, we actually judge ourselves. Judging is interesting because it's almost like a survival instinct in the world that we live, right? Because this world is always passing judgment on us, right? It just feels like it. No matter what you do, you can try your best, but somebody's going to tell you you failed. So, so, so it's like the fact that we reciprocate it back is almost like a survival instinct. We kind of develop a tough skin, right? A type of armor, so to speak, And we've begun to see everything with kind of critical eyes. And we hold people up to what? We hold people up to our standards. That's what we hold people up to. We judge people when they don't live up to or they don't meet our standards. Now, where do our standards come from? Right? I hate to break this news to you, but your standards did not come to you, this is a metaphor, from the throne of heaven. Okay, that's a metaphor for some place out there that we think of as perfect, that's divine, your, 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 like, standards came to you like everyone else on the planet. You're just not that special. You've had no, like, divine revelation that your standards are right or wrong. Right. No, your standards have been given to you by the culture you grew up in. Your standards have been given to you and have been given to me by the religion that we were handed. Oh, this is the way people are supposed to act. This is the way people are supposed to believe. Right? Our standards are given to us by our family of origin right? that create, this is what it means to be a parent, this is what it means to be a part of a community. Our families put that into us. These are the things that create kind of our standards of appearance, what you should look like, what you should and shouldn't wear to church right? Like, that's all part of it. What you should talk, what you, what you should not say, what movies you should see, what movies you shouldn't see, how you should treat one another at work, whether or not you should be afraid of people that are at work with you, that they're trying to steal your job, your promotion, or whether you should give to those folks that may be trying to steal your job, your like all those things that are handed to us, right? Our own morality, how we treat one another how we see one another our economics what we think about money how we spend money our own abilities in this life right we judge based upon those standards that have been given to us and here's the problem here's the real danger is that judging right is this like seed sowing pattern and when we judge we're just like throwing seeds out there and these are the seeds of othering and they land in a field of fear and seeds of othering they flourish in a field of fear so I don't know if you know it or not, but our world kind of is marked by fear, right? We're afraid of one another. Conservatives are afraid of liberals. Liberals are afraid of conservatives. Progressives are afraid of everybody. (laughs) I don't even know what those three labels mean. I just know I get called them depending upon who I'm with. Some people I'm with them, they call me conservative. Some people I'm with them, they call me liberal. Some people call me progressive. I'm like, I don't know. But, But we live in a world that we fear people. We fear people that don't look like us, that don't love like us, that didn't grow up like us. And so we pass judgment on them and we're sowing these seeds of othering. One of our five unacceptables here that we're working over the next 10 years to rewrite is this fear of the other, racism, sexism, homophobia, this fear of other people. And it starts by passing this judgment. And here's the thing when our othering seeds, when they like take root and they start to grow in that field of fear, you know what happens? You know what begins to to like grow is like this stalk of self righteousness. Come on now. It's like, well, he's preaching this morning. (laughs) I thought this was gonna be a fun day. We were baptizing people and celebrating. What happened to Happy Nice Ryan? Where'd he go? But that's what happens, right? We other, and then we get like all self-righteous. And we believe that we're the moral law of the universe. We have it right. We get so certain about our beliefs. Somebody doesn't believe like us, talk like us, look like us, call themselves the same faith and we are, then by all means, you will burn in hell because I was just fortunate enough to be born into the right system. That's self-righteousness. And you know what self-righteousness does? Self-righteousness just blooms. You know what the blossoms of self-righteousness are? Justification of our exclusion, justification of our violence, justification of our hatred. That's where it leads. And so we think, oh, it's no big deal. It's no big deal to just say that word. It's no big deal to pass that little judgment. It's no big deal to think that I'm better than, but that little tiny seed, it flourishes and becomes a war in the Ukraine. That's where it happens. And if we don't come all the way back All the way back to the root of it, to this idea that we somehow have the right to judge other people, to have them live to our standards. But here's what's so powerful. A life hidden in Christ, this living in Christ, this way of life that Jesus offers, this cruciform life, a life of death and resurrection, it can break that cycle of othering. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter seven. Remember, we're kind of looking at this area of our scripture called the Sermon on the Mount. It's where our gospel writers have kind of taken all the best of Jesus's hits, right? It's like the greatest hits. It's things that Jesus probably historically talked about over and over and over again. And they like put it together on it. One big sermon that Jesus delivers in one gospel on the plain and one gospel on the Mount, in Matthew on Sermon on the Mount, we call it. And in Matthew chapter seven, this is what Jesus says. This is super complicated stuff. So I need you to really pay attention, okay, because it's really easy to misunderstand this. He says, don't judge. (laughs) Now, I know we should probably unpack that for the next 20, 30 minutes. (laughs) He says, don't judge. And then he's so gracious to say, so that you won't be judged. So Jesus knows we're kind of selfish people. Like, well, what's in it for me, Jesus? If I stop judging, what's in it for me? Well, you won't be judged. So it's for the, the measure, the judgment that you make will be that you judge, like that's gonna come back on you. You're gonna be given that. You'll get it back in return. So what Jesus is saying is this this whole idea of judging one another, this, this principle of life, this thing that you do, it's subject to the law of sowing and reaping. If you sow a judgmental spirit into the world, guess what? Everybody's gonna look at you and they're gonna judge you right back. How many of y'all know that's true? Think about that person at work who's super judgy. You just returned the measure of judgment. See what I'm saying? Like you knew who it was. Like they're super judgy. They've got an answer for everything. They never listen. They never ask questions. They know everything, right? And you just, you sense their judgmental eyes on you. What have you done? You've done what Jesus says happens to us. Now think about the most loving, caring, wonderful, gracious person who's helped you in your life. What did you just do? You returned back to them that same manner of judgment. Like You see them. What are they doing? They're giving you that grace. They're giving you that love. They're giving you that hope. And so you, when you think about them, you pass that same judgment back on them. Isn't that interesting how that works? Super complex. It was like 2,000 years ago when we got this stuff, people. It's taken us a little while to get a hold of it, right? So what we sow, we reap when it comes to judging. Now, people take this and go, oh, well, that's what it means for God. There's other passages about but I really don't think, I think Jesus is talking about an ethic of life. Like, the manner with which you judge others, that's what's going to happen. You want to judge and tell everybody you're right, you're right, that's fine. Everybody's going to know that, and they're going to pass that same judgment on to you. And then Jesus gives a wonderful illustration. Again, it's super hard to understand. He says, why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but don't notice the log in your own eye? You get the image? Again, not a difficult one, Right? It's like, why do you like pretend to be able to see this teeny tiny problem in your neighbor's eye, but you can't see this massive problem that you have with your own view, your own vision? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye. Could you imagine, right? Could you imagine you went to the eye doctor, <laughs> right? And they had just had their eyes dilated and they were wearing, it. It like, oh, I just had an eye exam. I'll be fine. Now. Let me take a look. Right? Like, you couldn't do it. You couldn't see it. And what I think Jesus is getting at is he's saying listen judgment passing judgment is an act of self-deception. You are self-deceived if you think you can actually do it. I think what Jesus is saying is everybody here you got your own big problems. <laughs> you got your own issues. Relax about everybody else's. <laughs> and when you think that you have it right, when you think that you have the ability to see what's wrong in somebody else's life, you're actually self-deceived. That's it. Game over. Your eye has now been distorted, right? You can't see clearly. Everything's wrong. And so what does Jesus say? He says, you hypocrite. You play actors, pretending like you can do something you can't. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. So is Jesus giving us permission to go judge? Like once I get myself right, I can go and make everybody else just like me? No. I think what Jesus is saying is once you do the hard work of recognizing you got a log in your eye you're going to be really slow. And I think what Jesus is saying is when your eyes get clear to the reality of your own mess, of your own humility, of your own inadequacy, of the great mysteries in this world, judging becomes gentleness. Then you can gently come alongside people and you can be with them and you can be be proximate to their issue. You can be proximate to their pain without having to fix them, without having to show them what's wrong, all that stuff. When we, when we set aside, when we recognize, man, I've got this log, I've got this stuff that I'm trying to figure out, I don't, I don't know what's going on. Even as we kind of pick away, if we could ever actually remove the log from our eye, then we can come along in gentleness. So here's what I think. I think what Jesus wants us to know as we kind of look at this question of what has to die in us. Like Jesus was crucified, we identify what needs to be raised to life in us every day of our lives, and that is that living in Christ means crucifying our judging eyes. That that's what happens we see, or we hear, or we read, it's a metaphor. <laughs> and what we have to do is we have to, to let that die. And it doesn't die automatically. We have to crucify. Crucifying is a violent action. It's an active form. So we can't just say, well, I'm just going to pray about it. <laughs> i just pray about it and just see where the Spirit leads me. No, we have to do the hard work of identifying it. So in your everyday, normal, peacemaking life, how many of you are getting sick of me saying that? I'm not going anywhere, so you're going to hear it for the next 20 years. In your everyday, normal, outside of this building, peacemaking am I right? If it wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it. There's something so rewarding about it when we can say to ourselves, we are the chosen ones, and we can say to ourselves, yep, I'm the children of Israel, not the Egyptians. That's for those of you Bible people, right? I'm a Republican, not a Democrat. I'm a Democrat, not a Republican. I'm a progressive, not a liberal, not a whatever. But when we judge your act, the law of love, in Matthew chapter 22, which is the greatest commandment in all the law? Well, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. In other words, we could spend 2,000 years parsing what that means, which wonderful people have done, just like everything in you is given over to love. Now, that's a little strange because you can't see God. And we later have a letter that says, if you can't love your brother and you say you love God, if you can't love your sister and you say you love God, then love isn't in you because how can you say you love something you can't see when you don't love what you can see? So we put the whole story together, right? Jesus helps us out here. He says, "Well, that's the greatest and first commandment, but the second one is just like it. In other words, the second one means the same thing: love your neighbor as yourself." That's where it's at. Like you want to know how to love God? That's how you do it. It's not singing songs, by the way. Let's let that one sit in for a second. It's not going to church. It's not giving in the offering. Right? Those are actions that we do, but if you're doing those things out of a motivation to be propelled into the love of neighbor, to create a church that is loving the neighborhood, the community, right? If I'm singing so that my life can be transformed into the love of Christ, that is loving God because I know it's changing me, it's transforming me. My hands and my feet and my eyes and my ears and my mouth, my, my, my mind is being conformed to this way of Jesus. And Jesus says, on these two commandments, the whole thing hinges. Like the culture, the society, everything goes under this. So here's the big question. So we said, well, how do I think about that in today's day? Because I don't live under the Jewish law. Most of you are not not cooking the mother's goat's meat in the mother's milk, okay? Most of you are wearing cotton blends, all right? Like you're eating shellfish. Not very good shellfish around here, mind you, but (laughs) it's shellfish nonetheless. So what, is that, what does that mean for us today? So here's a question that I like to ask of myself, and I think as a, as a community, this, should, this is how I do this. How do we judge by the law of love? No matter what situation we're in, we start to feel like somebody's in danger. We start to feel like somebody's doing something they shouldn't. Here's the question. What does Christ-like love require of me in this moment? What is Christ like love? When somebody's throwing their venom at me, when somebody's angry at me, when somebody's you know putting stuff out there about me, what does Christ-like love require me? So, what is Christ-like love? The simplest way I can think about it, it is an including, healing love. That's just the best way I can know to think about what love that Jesus showed. It was including and it was loving. Jesus' love seemed to be the inclusion of and the healing of those whom the structures of power in the world excluded. And it was confronting those structures in nonviolent ways to hopefully open eyes to see. But what does love require of me? Well, this nonviolent, this, this including healing love of Jesus, well, it demands, Jesus would say, that we pray for those who persecute us, that we love our enemies, I mean we could preach that every day for the rest of our lives and it still wouldn't sit in how radical that is. Especially by a person who's living in an occupied territory by the Romans, who and the Romans are taking land, stealing land, taxing every fish that comes out of the Galilee, right? Pushing people off of their land so they can take it and commercialize it. And this is Jesus in that culture that that everybody's looking for someone to come like David and set up a kingdom that would crush Rome. Jesus is saying, uh uh, that's not gonna do it. It's just gonna propel more violence. So, what we're gonna do here is we're just gonna die. We're just gonna let the violence look like it wins. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray for them, we're gonna love our enemies. And so I think a way we can like do this and develop a real sense of how do I live into this is that we can learn something from the 12 steps. All right? Many of you've been through like 12 step recovery programs. Well, step 10 in the 12 steps is to walk through an inventory every day of your life. And at the end of your day you walk through an inventory of questions to ask this of yourself, like where have I wounded? Where have I been wounded? And so this practice of looking at your own life, kind of we can call it a self-examine, right? It's a a spiritual discipline. And so I wanna encourage all of us to sow 10 seeds, not of othering, but 10 seeds of humility every day through the practice of self-examine. So 10 seeds of humility, not seeds of othering, seeds of humility, and so look in your program. If you didn't get a program, it's your fault. We tried to give it to you. We tried when you came in. Mary walked around. Say, I can't do anything else. I really can't. I don't know. All right, there inside of your program is this little card that we made. Everybody pull this out for just a second. It says the ten seeds of humility, a self-examine of my potential to wound others and myself. Ooh. Every day, recognizing I have the potential to wound others. And myself. The Bible words for this are sin, okay? The Bible words are sin. So here's the questions. Every night, I just wanna encourage you to stick this on your nightstand, stick it uh, where you brush your teeth every night. And if you're not doing that, you should. You're dead. Was I dishonest today? Did I promptly? I like that question. Have I kept something to myself which should be discussed with another person at once? Did I think today of what I could do for others? Was I kind and loving towards all? Did I reach out to someone, anyone today, to see how they were doing? And did I take the time to connect with God through prayer or meditation today? Imagine if you, every day of your life, went through those 10 questions, like at the end of the day, and you used it as a reflection on the day. And you made yourself a little note. Here's where I might have wounded someone. Here's where I was wounded. I'm going to turn this over to the spirit of love, the spirit of Jesus. And tomorrow is a new day that I'm going to be given. And I'm going to grow in that path. It's different than othering, right? Because othering says it's their fault, you're judging them. But now I'm like, I've got to look inside of myself. It's an, another Bible word for what this is, by the way, is Repentance. This is an act of repentance. self examine is kind of an act of repentance where I look and say, here's where, in order to create healing and peace in this world, I failed. And I'm gonna fail. You're gonna fail. It doesn't make you a failure. It just means you're gonna fail. I'm gonna fail, right? The point isn't to go, nailed it, all 10, yes. I've arrived, take me home, Jesus, right? No, that's, that's not the point, right? It was not a scorecard. Don't be posting on your Facebook, seven out of 10 people, this isn't... This isn't wordly or whatever that new thing is. That What is it called? Wordle. Wordle. I don't even know what it is. I just see people like really irritated with it. And I'm like, why would I do that? Everybody seems so frustrated with it. I don't need that in my life. I have you all for that. No, I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs>
1: that was just a joke. Bad taste, but it was a joke. So. so we can take ourselves super seriously with this. And the reason why I threw a little humor in there is because I don't want this to become this like, oh, i got to do it or else God doesn't love me. No, this is just a real practical way to say, I want to live this out. I want to be empowered by the spirit of Jesus in my life. And here's the beauty of this. How does this, this will make, like Crossroads I think is a group of people that we just want to be better <laughs> and we want the world to be better. I just think, I think in simple terms. Like I want, I want the goal of being a part of a church is to make the world a better place and to become a better person in it. Church Bible language for that is live for the glory of God. (laughs) I I just can't wrap my head around that every morning. Lord, help me live for your glory. I don't know what that, I'm just like, oh, I don't know. But I can wake up every morning and say, help me be my part. What God will do, because this is death and resurrection, it's not just death. (laughs) God is going to resurrect mercy and are powerful because my self-criticism. It allows mercy. Like, that's what's going to happen. You don't, like, live in this middle ground Hannah. Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. I do believe that that historically people thought that Jesus was going to lead a violent revolution. I do believe that, hands down. But I think the cry, like the the people who were closest to Jesus, they knew that his was a revolution of mercy. His was a revolution of grace. He went around forgiving people, and they never went to the temple. They never asked for it. He walked with authority. He was modeling it for all human beings. And what's so powerful is that, that that's the idea. It's like you and I get to be those people who say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, they aren't going to say it that way, okay? <laughs> don't walk into work expecting people to be waving palm branches at you, <laughs> you know? Blessed is the one who comes in the name <laughs> Like, you might wear a hashtag blessed shirt or something. Maybe. I don't know. But like, here's what it'll sound like. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you came. Somebody's in pain. Somebody's hurting Somebody's celebrating. I'm so glad you're here to share this moment with me. That's the normal way of saying it. The Bible way is, oh, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. But like our everyday normal lives is, I'm so glad you're here. You know what the opposite of that is? Oh my gosh, I can't believe they came. (laughs) Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. That's who we want to be. Brian Stevenson, a lawyer who wrote the book Just Mercy, you might have seen the movie, Um, It's a beautiful book. If you've never read it, I would really encourage you to read it or at least see the movie. But he talks about mercy in the book, you can imagine. This is what he says. He says, mercy is just when it's rooted in hopefulness and freely given. That's when mercy becomes just mercy. He says, mercy is most empowering, it's most liberating, and it's most transformative when it is directed to the undeserving, the people who haven't earned it. Who haven't even sought it, those are the most meaningful recipients of our compassion. That's inspired. (laughs) That's straight from the heart of God. And that's what it means to be non-judgmental is to look at those folks that might not ever think they deserve it, they want it, and you just pour out your mercy, pour out your grace. That's the point of of why we're given this beautiful picture of Jesus hanging on a cross saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. That's theology, by the way. (laughs) Like, that's what it's all about. That's what Jesus was modeling. So, as we wrap up, what's God inviting you into today? What is it that you sense the universe calling you towards, the good that is in our world, that is holding us together, that seems to peek in through the actions and hearts and lives of people that are committed to saying the world can be better than what it is today? It can be more loving. It can be more inclusive. It can be more just. So, what are you sensing I hope that that maybe if you've been a part of religion that has just been a place of judgment, I hope that maybe you sense that Crossroads could be a community where like, healing from that can take place, where this could maybe become a safe space for your heart again to flourish. Because that... That's my deep burden, by the way. For those of you that have had wonderful church experiences, good good on you, whatever.
0: <laughs>
1: my deep burden is for people that have been excluded from church, excluded from the community that is to represent the grace of God. And that wound is so deep, they, they would think I could never be a part of it again. And maybe somehow you found the courage to walk into a church again, and I have no idea how you do that with some of the horror stories that I've heard. But, but I would hope that you sense the universe saying this could be a place that, that your wounds could be bound up, that you could teach and you, those, those wounds could become sacred, and your suffering could be sacred and redeemed. I, I, that's what I hope. And I think that's what we all hope that are here, that are a part of this. So maybe that's what God's whispering. And I hope God's whispering to all of us to just give this, these 10 seeds of humility, these 10 questions a try for 30 days. Just give it 30 days, stick it there, 30 days, and see what happens, see how God works in your life through that. So we have a song that uh, the band's going to play for us as we just take a few moments to be still and quiet in the presence of one another. In the presence of grace and love, what we call God, and just to consider that we are all broken vessels. That's what this song says, that we're all broken vessels. And the less judgment we pass, the more grace we can give. That's what I want for So let's just enjoy this moment together, and then uh, have a blessing for us. We'll get out of here and enjoy this week. What's so good about that song is that it applies to Jesus and people that live the Jesus path. Right? Like we can see this love in Jesus, but that's the idea that people would sing that about us when we walk like that we're laying down our lives, bringing the broken to life. Like that's the beauty of living in Christ. That's the only way that Jesus lives, by the way. <laughs> like if we aren't living it out, man, it doesn't mean anything. So as we kind of head out, got our blessing for you today. Before we do that, a couple of real quick things. This Friday is Good Friday, 6:30, Good Friday experience. You're gonna hear from Mary Magdala, you're gonna hear from Peter, you're gonna hear from the centurion, we're gonna have communion. We're gonna be called into the beauty of this moment and why we call it Good Friday, 45-minute time together. I would encourage you to come out. You really, Easter's only, only half of it. Good Friday is a, a beautiful moment. So we encourage their stuff for kids on Good Friday as well. So that's helpful love to see you out and then Easter Sunday we're going to celebrate we're going to kick off our third and final peacemaking series called Keeping Hope Alive so we did Believing Like Jesus Living in Christ Keeping Hope Alive is what we're going to launch on Easter it's going to be a lot of fun next week I just heard I just got word that our, we were going to have a kind of food truck a barbecue food truck out here today for us to kind of hang and they had mechanical problems so they're not here but I have an idea Let's go to Sirius Texas barbecue, what do you say? It's barbecue, it's close, all right? So grab some friends, go over to Sirius Texas barbecue, let's invade the place and be a blessing to them today. It's right, if you don't know where it is, it's just, where are the mountains? I don't know. It's that way, it's by Walmart. So just grab some friends, just pass Walmart. Grab some friends and go over there and wave and see people you know, and it's a good opportunity to get to know one another, and uh, whoever invites you pays, that's how it works, all right? So we'll just kind of go make that our food truck today. Oh, crud. I've got plans, so So if you want to, let's go do that. That'd be kind of fun if if you can, if you're able to. Go over there, see who you see, grab some barbecue, all right? And uh, I look forward to seeing everybody on Friday. Invite somebody out for Good Friday, for Easter, all that good stuff if you feel led to. All right, do me a favor, open up your arms, open up your heart for hopefully what is truth into our lives. As we close Palm Sunday and enter Holy Week, may divine love wash over you and comfort you in your trials this week. And I pray that just as Jesus entered Jerusalem riding on a donkey, humble and filled with mercy, you too will enter your homes, your neighborhoods, your schools, your gyms, your workplaces with humility. May you be the blessed one who enters those spaces in the name of the Lord. May you crucify your judging eyes through the hard work of self-examine so that God can resurrect mercy and grace in your innermost being. And may God continue to make us, Crossroads Church, a community Mercy triumphs over judgment. And may our church be a safe space where the brokenhearted can find grace and where all of our wounds can come into contact with the healing love of Jesus. Amen. Go have barbecue.